Blog Talk Radio. Blessings, blessings, blessings to all of you out there in cyberspace, radio land, blog talk land, all the different places that you guys tune in to listen to our show. We are so, so just blessed today. You know, we are in the land of the living, and God is is such an incredible God and Father, and he is just that one that keeps us living in a state of euphoria. No matter what is going on all around us, what trauma, what trials, what tribulations we may be encountering, we always, always, always have that blessed assurance that our Father God is ever-present with us, walking us through every situation. So we give him all the praise, glory, and honor on this morning. Well, um, we are we are just kind of you know flowing in the, the the presence of the living God, and as He does, He kind of changes up things that we think are going to happen, which is really um, an interesting journey with Him. We always um, make our own plans, and the Word of God tells us that our plans are, are not His plans. So He had a different vein for us this morning. We were. Um, originally going to be discussing where the church is in this hour with all the upheaval and unrest that is going on in our nation. But he um, he kind of took us on a, on a different journey. And so this morning, um, we are going to be discussing how we deal with the death of a family member when you've had a, a troubled past with that person or, you know, you, you this is, and we're talking people that are in our immediate sphere of um, families, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, children, parents. Um, we're going to, we're going to just kind of dive into it. And um, as God also would have it, I don't really know well where, um, my co-host are this morning, but God has that ram in the bush, and we have a guest today. He has been on our show a few times before, a very, very dear brother in the Lord of mine. We have Apostle Paul Greenleaf and his lovely wife, Keisha. Um, Welcome to the show. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. God bless. Good morning. God bless. God bless. So... Um, we're going to dive right into this, and uh, and I know it's a, a sensitive topic, and actually you and I were just discussing it because you, um, you've you just lost your sister, your eldest sister, um, but you guys kind of had um, a, a bit of a strange past, and I know that you are dealing with some emotions that, you know, you you were not familiar that you were going to be dealing with. And I share with you um, that I, I kind of went through a similar thing with my brother. So I'm going <laughs> to let you share what you're feeling right now and kind of, you know, give us a little backdrop huh. of the situation. And, uh, cause, and, and I know you, see, you know, you don't mind being transparent, which is really a blessing, because in our transparency, we're able to walk others through where we're at. They they may not have the sense of God in their life that we do, and so Amen. they need help trying to sort through what it is they're going through. So I'm I'm gonna let you take over for a moment now, Apostle. Um, actually, <laughs> it's mm, kind of crazy. 
uh, the minute you started talking and talking about it, I'm actually welling up. And I don't know why. Um, healing process. I'm sitting here trying to figure it, it out. It is. And it's trying it's to figure out why. my emotions. Let me say this. This is this is the therapy of God, and that's why we needed to do this. Because I had just shared with you how all the emotions that all of a sudden I felt when I lost my brother. And my daughter said to me, you know, Mom, I'm really surprised you're taking it so hard. And and it was, you know, it was because we were never close Um in 50-some years of my life, we had never been close. However, it, it had a profound effect on me. And as you and I were just talking and you were trying to sort through your emotions or lack thereof of what you thought, you know, you might be feeling, you know, God, mm-hmm. this place, let's do this now. So I'm believing that the fact that you're welling up right now and you're feeling what you're feeling is just um, God just stepping in just stepping in and allowing the healing process to begin. So, you know, if you're welling up, that's fine. If you break down, mm. Keisha can, can step in. We're good. We're good. Mm. So go for it. I, I think what it is, Elder Colette, it's an emotion, and and I think I'm really getting to the point where I'm pinpointing it with, with prayer and just seeking God's face. The emotion is the, the losses of not having her as a sister that I would want her to have been, not having that mm-hmm. closeness that I did seek after and not really having it tangible. See, basically I was an only child. I was my mother's only child, and I really didn't know any of my other sisters and brothers um, until after my grandfather died and we moved out to the area where they were. So... And I always wanted to have another sibling, but my mother didn't. So immediately when we were um, re, um, what's the word I'm looking for, relocated, I dived right into a situation that I did not know I wasn't going to be accepted. And, and because of who I am in God and who I always was in God, I immediately felt that tension of, okay, this person's here, but we really don't want them here. We don't accept them. We don't receive him. I mean, to the point where I, I went through, I guess I could call it, um, um, I don't want to say spousal because that's not the word, sibling abuse as to, well, mm-hmm. he's not your father. Your 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 skin is lighter. We're darker. You know, you, you got another father. Dealing with, with things like that. Now, there were times that she was accepting of me, but then things happened, you know, as as we Mm -hmm. discussed earlier. Um, Some people may know, some people may not know. I was was raped as a child, and it happened to be her boyfriend. But then my wife said something very profound to me the other day. It was not her fault, you know. Uh, Are you seeking an apology from her? Because she didn't do it. He did. But what I said to her was, the point was, being that she was my sister, you would have thought that she would have consoled me in some way or been somewhat apologetic, and I never got that. Um, you know, so I'm dealing with that even, that she's gone, and we never discussed that about how I felt, how it made me feel about her, and just just all kind of emotions I'm dealing with, Um and and I think most of the fact that I would have loved to have had a closeness to her that you have with a natural sister or brother, with, with any of them, but didn't have it. And and I think that's where I'm grieving that, okay, now she's gone and now I'll never have it. I, I can't right. even try anymore, you know. And then I was able to say, knowing in the past three or four years that she did start going to church. And I I have the peace of knowing I believe that she is with God because she did um, end up going to church and giving her life to God. So I can say in all honesty, I'm I'm blessed knowing that. Um, But I'm also dealing with I don't have closure. Wow. Um, and and I went wow. through that with my father. Uh, I wasn't able to say goodbye. I wasn't able to do anything. So I'm I'm kind of at that point. There's no closure. Um, how do I get that? What do I? Where do I go from here with these emotions? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> 
you know, there that is the the million dollar question that most people experience. Um, even when they they're close to the one that passed, where do we go with these emotions, these senses of loss? Um, as you said, that you know, whatever closure you you had hoped to have, that's now gone. And I think that the the place we have to look and search for closure has to be within in ourselves. We have to um, allow God to bring that that peace and that closure within us because we'll never have it with that individual. You know, um, the time has passed to sit and to have the conversation that you might have wanted to have. And, And I'm saying this because there are some out there that, you know, you may be in a place that you're estranged from an immediate family member. You need to go get it straight. You need to go talk to that person while you can. Okay, um, and if that person is not someone that will receive you, that will discuss it with you, then you give it to God. Uh-huh. You give it to God and, and allow him to be who he is in your life. He is that one that gives you that peace that surpasses all understanding. Okay, it, 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 we sometimes are seeking something when we say we're seeking closure that can never be given us in um, the mortal sense, in the sense of having closure with an individual. Sometimes we, we just will never have that, you know, mm. especially when you, you've been abused or, in your case, you were raped or, you know, you were, you were rejected or what have you. There are times where a mere mortal will never be able to give you what you seek from them. They're never uh-huh. going to apologize. They're never going to acknowledge, you know, there are times in our life when we just have to accept the fact that, you know what, we are all imperfect people, and some of us never come to a reckoning of what we did Mm. to another person. So we have to understand that our closure, we have to seek it from God. We really, really do. Mm. He is the only one that can step into your heart and bring peace and can bring healing, and can bring love, and can get you past what you thought you needed from an individual that mm-hmm. that individual will never be able to give you. Living right. like that. And, and you know how we say know. God has a sense of humor. <laughs> and where I'm seeing his sense of humor, every year on my birthday, I'm going to remember this, my birthday is um, Tuesday, and that's the day mm-hmm. that they're waking her. Now, I actually, Mm. you know, some people may think it's crazy, whatever, but I'm just Paul being Paul. I actually asked the Lord, don't take her on my birthday, Uh, because I kept having Mm. nightmares as she passed or was going to pass on my birthday. And I was like, Lord, I Mm. just, I don't want that memory. I don't want to have to carry that memory. But then in his sense of humor, she passed before, but now her homecoming is going to (laughs) be on my birthday. So every year on my birthday, I'm going to remember this is the day that she was waked, um, mm. you know. Um. But, you know, what I believe that God will do when you have that memory, I believe that he will, he will what he will remind you of is his great grace and mercy on your life mm. because by that day you will be at peace. You'll be at peace. He will walk you through all the different steps and the emotions that you have to go through so that come Tuesday, what you will have memory of is the peace of God in your life, how incredible the love of your Father is that he would give you a glorious day in him, minus, minus the pain of what you've carried all these years. Mm. You know, so does he have a sense of humor? Absolutely. But his sense of humor is profound. It's profound. You know, it's not just thrown out there just to be out there. He has, remember this, the God that we serve is very, very strategic and specific in everything he does. So nothing, Mm. nothing is just by coincidence or happenstance. 
okay? So there's a strategy behind this. And I'm believing in what I sense in my spirit very, very strongly that come Tuesday, he will have given you such a beautiful peace about all that was tied to her that you experienced in your life, that it will be a day of memorial unto him. Your day will be memorialized by recognizing how much the Father loves you, that he will grant you such peace on your birthday from all the trouble and trauma and tribulation that you've endured all these years. What a happy Mm. birthday present that will be. You know, and it's funny because sitting here thinking about all the emotions that I've had and just the fact that I guess stepping out in faith and actually doing this, you know, when I mentioned it, I was kind of, I want to say (laughs) half-jokingly. And you were like, no, okay, that's a great idea. I'm like, oh, boy, I done stuck my foot in my mouth now. Um, (laughs) You know better than to say something And then I said to tell Keisha, well, ask her, is she really doing the show? (laughs) Yeah, I've already set it up. Okay. Um, But it's just so many different things in in. You know, you you think of the 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 cause of her death is, is cancer, and it just seems like we have been dealing with this disease so much and so close to our circle. My my wife and I circle a very good friend of ours just went through uh, radiation and chemo. My godfather passed of cancer. My grandmother, I mean, my godmother uh, had cancer. Um, my mother was diagnosed with uh, lymphoma. Uh, my dad, uh, prostate cancer. My brother, uh, now my sister. Just so many, you know. And then her being the first child, his firstborn. Um, just so many things that run through your mind. Um, you know, um, it's like, wow, okay, God, what, what do I do with this bag? <laughs> You know, um, you know what, what I'm going to tell what you, you what you do I know, with what it. I'm, I guess, let me just get this up. What I'm seeking and what I'm asking God is, what do you want me to do with this? And and that's what I mm-hmm. always do in a situation. What is it that you want me? What is the lesson? What is the value? What is the growth that you want me to get out of this, God, so that I can share it with others? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's where um, I'm at, really. I think one thing that we have to touch on um, that you just brought up is uh, the the component of the cancer. And we have to touch on it realizing and recognizing where that comes from, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, cancer, cancer is a disease from within, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's within the body, all right. They, they scientifically have been unable to pinpoint, you know, why. But spiritually, we can trace it back to different things going on within us, be it unbelief, be it unforgiveness, um, Mm. be it even deep-seated hatred, okay, Um, be it stress and worry, and all these different things that we allow to attack our physical body because we do not know how to give all these things over to God. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Now, you just went through your lineage and all of these people who have suffered with this dreaded disease, which is a disease within the body. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I promise you, every one of them, you will be able, if you really think about it, see a pattern in their lives mm. of how they live their life, different things that happened in their life, um, and the fact that they allow these different stresses and things to wreak havoc within their body. So as you're processing all of these people within your family who have suffered with cancer and passed on, process along with that but God. 
okay? But, God, I thank you that I know you, and I will not receive these different things within my body because I am giving all of this to you. I'm giving all of this to you. I, I'm, I've taken on a healthy lifestyle. You know, I'm, I'm eating what your word told me to eat. Um, but more importantly, I am not allowing myself to be consumed issues of my past, and I'm not allowing myself to be consumed with the worries of my present because I'm giving mm. them all to you. I'm giving them all to you. I think that most people that have family members that have passed on all struggling um, with with cancer, the first thing they think of, oh, God, I'm going to get it. And, and then they start confessing it. Okay, well, it runs in my family. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it ran in those people, but I'm not taking it in my body. <laughs> Okay, because my father said in his word that my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and no, no unclean thing can dwell in here. So if that that spirit, if that unclean disease wants to step in my body, then just like the statue of Baal had to bow before the Ark of the Covenant, it's going to have to bow before God because you're not allowed in my body because the spirit of the living God lives here. You know, and and you get that in your spirit, and you confess it and believe it. Okay, it's not just lip service; you confess it and you believe it. <laughs> but so many, you know, so I'm I'm serious about that. It, it's like, no, don't get caught up in all of these people in your family died from this. Get caught up in, you know what, God, you're an awesome God because you spared me because I know you. You said that those that know their God will do great exploits. I'm doing great exploits in you, so I ain't got time to play with these diseases. I'm going forth in you, you know, and wrap yourself around that. Now, Keisha, um, I want to kind of get back on track with our subject. You had shared that you lost a sister a few years ago that you weren't close to. How have you dealt with that over the years? Well, you know, because like I was, was, we were talking, I did not know her personally. I just knew that she was my father's child because, of course, like all of us, we had, um, you know, our parents, well, well, Paul and I, anyway, we were illegitimate children. We were born out of wedlock, and um, mm-hmm. my father didn't um, bring me around my brother and my sisters at all. I, I met... My oldest sister, after um, after my father had passed away. However, when I found out that my sister had died because my cousin had called from Jersey to tell um, my aunt to tell me, I felt sad. I felt sad for her children. I felt sad for um, my other two sisters and my brother. But I really had no true mourning emotions because, you know, their emotions are strange. There's he emotions, there's she emotions, and we all deal with it different ways. And if you don't really know a person, I, I, I struggled with my mother passing away more so than I struggled with my sister passing away because that was my mother. And I, I was 21, and I didn't know how to accept my mother passing away. However, with my sister, when my aunt told me, I felt sad because, it, I mean, she we have the same bloodline. However, it didn't really affect me um, um, the way maybe it should have. But like, if you don't know a person um, at mm. one point, you know, how do you mourn for them, for somebody you don't know? Right. Right. You know, so I, 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 I prayed for the family, you know, and um, I told my cousin to tell my sister that I, I the one sister that I did meet, that I was sorry but I mm-hmm. didn't have, I really didn't grieve. I, I didn't mourn for her. I, I felt sorry for her because she died from mm-hmm. AIDS, the drug addict, and mm-hmm. she got AIDS, mm-hmm. which I don't know how. However, you know, I felt I felt for her children because those were my nieces and nephews mm-hmm. too. And they, they right. weren't young, but they weren't old. But, you know, they lost their mother from a, a devastating disease. 
You know, who wants to say, mm-hmm. oh, my, my mother died from AIDS. My mother was a drug addict, but most people knew it already. But mm-hmm. I just, you know, I, I felt sorry for her family, her children, which I felt like that, that was, like my husband, I felt like that that wasn't really my family because I did not know them as well as I should mm-hmm. have because I was their sister and they treated me like they didn't know me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I understand where you're coming from about being, you know, on the outside looking in and, and, and wanting to be a part, but never getting to that opportunity and that moment to actually be um, a, part of a part of it. Mm-hmm. So I really mm-hmm. had no emotions. I, I, I felt sorry. And to mm. this day, uh, you know, I, I just I, I, I pray for them still. And I don't well I do know that the um the, the brother my brother and um my two sisters are still alive because my cousin keeps in touch with the family but my my cousin knew more about my family than I did. Mm-hmm. He was more a part of my niece's <clears throat> family than I than I am or that I was. So right. you know I just you know God is a, a good God and he brings you through things that you think um, you should have, but God is always there, and He's always merciful and understanding. He's a daddy. He is. He is. Mm-hmm. Which is, oh my God, which is what what is part of our blessed hope. <laughs> you know, the fact that that He never um, leaves us just hanging out there, and He walks uh-huh. through these different situations and trials. When when my mother passed, um, I was twenty seven. And I had actually taken care of my mom the last four years of her life. She had um, the, the genitory arthritis in her spine, so she lost uh-huh. the, the use of her limb, and she had uh-huh. been on dialysis for for nine years as well. So um, the last four years I had moved in with her to, to be her caregiver. Now, my mother and I, um, even though... I was not her biological child. She said, you know, in fact, like I've always known I was adopted because she always told me I didn't grow in her stomach, I grew in her heart. Um, But Mm. she was my mother because she and my father adopted me when I was two and a half months old, so I didn't know any other parents. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. She was my mom. But we didn't have that close mother-daughter relationship that I would have liked to have had. Um, I, we didn't have the relationship that my daughter and I have um, because, and, and, and this, this, I have to say this, was not all her fault. Um, I made an inner vow, <clears throat> excuse me, with inside myself at seven years old, did not even know it, okay, but at seven years old, I made up in my mind that no one would ever take the place of my daddy because my daddy was my world. And my father uh-huh. died when I was seven. So that uh-uh. included my mother. Because, uh-huh. you know, in those seven years, my father was my nurturer, not my mom. Uh-huh. Okay. I, I went places with my father. I did things with my father. You know, he was the one that I was excited to see. And this, again, let me explain, not my mom's fault. My mother was a beautician. She worked very, very long hours, so she wasn't there. Uh-huh. You know, she she wasn't there. We did family weekends and outings and stuff, but it was my father that poured into my life. So when I lost him at seven, I made up in my mind no one could ever take his place. So that was the first uh-huh. thing. That was That was number one. I did that. Then as I got older, because my mother and I seemed to be kind of cut from the same cloth <laughs> with <laughs> that independent, um, just stubborn <laughs> spirit, Strong we were at odds. Still a lot. Love you. <laughs> we, <laughs> we were at odds most of the time, okay? Mm especially in my teenage years, you know, and and so I would, this is me, as a teenager, I would go to the cemetery and sit on my father's grave and just 
cry and say, how could you leave me here with her? And I just, Mm. you know what I'm saying? It was just unbelievable how I felt, okay? And and so, again, this is not all her fault. See, I I have to, and in retrospect, as I look back, I have to recognize my place and my, my part in this. Now, that being said, my mother was an alcoholic and could be very abusive, okay? Um, she was a functioning alcoholic because she could work all day long, but when she was at home, okay, it was bourbon, vodka. <laughs> you know, she used to literally take the big, I don't know if you remember back in the day they had the big glass tumblers that mm-hmm. would probably hold about 24 ounces of fluid or whatever. She would fill those up with ice and pour vodka over it, and you would think she was drinking water. Okay. Mm-mm-mm. So my mom was no joke. My mother was an older woman. She had had a very hard life. So she she was not an overly affectionate person. So, you know, uh, we, we didn't have that kissy-huggy relationship. And different things that I longed for, I did not have. And in my limited capacity at that time, I blamed my mother. I, I couldn't see my fault in it. I blamed her. You know, mm-hmm. so, again, making the wedge even greater between us. Then I had my children. Um, as a teenager, I had my first child at 14, second child eight days after I turned 16. That didn't go real well. Um, but my mom was there for me. My mom is the one that paid for both of my children's hospital bills, doctor bills. I didn't know what welfare was, so I called myself grown and moving out at 17. Um mm-hmm. My mother was there. She was my rock. And even though she was my rock, we still were at odds because then I hooked up with a young man that she hated. So now you're going to try to tell me who I can and cannot be with, so now we're really fighting. Okay. Mm. I said all of that to say this. Even though I was able to reconcile some of our issues in those last four years, um, we, we still had some problems, but there was a more of a peace on the relationship because, you know, I was there and had to be there. Um, and then there was my drug use and my spending her money on drugs and the fact that she was that one to say to me, the only time, this is the only time, this is so profound to me, the only time I could ever remember in my life my mother telling me she loved me was when she found mm-hmm. out I had, had squandered her money on drugs. And she said to me, um, I can't forget what you did, but I love you and I forgive you. That's the only time I can ever remember clearly my mother telling me she loved me. And to me, that was the voice of God, you know, even though he forgets our sins and our transgressions. But it flipped my life and made me make sure that I turned it around because I wasn't loving myself at that time, so how could she love me? Anyway, fast yeah. forward. When she passed away, when she died, She died at home, and the night she died, I remember feeling within myself I had never felt so alone in my life. How full of people, full of people, but all I felt was alone because my mother was gone. I remember going to her grave after the fact and asking for forgiveness because I had to reconcile the fact that all those years that I blamed her for, I had so much of a big part in that, in the estrangement, in the fight, in the issues that we went through. Hmm. And it was after the fact that I came to that recognition, okay, when I realized, that realization, when I realized that I had literally pushed her away because I wasn't going to let her take the place of my father. Now, my father died. As I said, when I was seven, it was my mother that had to walk through the next 20 years of my life, through my, my children, through my drugs, through my, my um, identity crisis, didn't know if I wanted to be with a man or a woman, through all of that madness. It was my mother that walked me through that. So I'm saying that sometimes when we lose somebody, the feelings and the emotions that we feel, we don't quite understand. And it unfortunately does not come into clarity until they're gone. What we had, 
Mm-hmm. You know what? And and so I'm saying this because God allowed me closure, even though I I could not, I didn't say to her, please forgive me in in her lifetime. And she, trust me, never said it to me <laughs> either. Mm-hmm. Okay, but six months after my mother passed, I had a dream, and this dream was as real as I'm sitting here talking to you right now. The day my mother died, she cussed me out, <laughs> okay, because she wanted oh. me to go to the store and get her a drink, and I refused. So my last words from my mother on this earth, okay, was her calling me all kind of names and cussing me out, okay. Um, but six months later, I, I was in Buffalo, New York. I'll never forget it. And I had this dream, and I walked into um, a house that was supposedly representing our home, the home that I had shared with my mom. And it was a friend of mine that I knew sitting on the couch, and I walked in, hey, what's going on? And I heard my mother's voice calling my name. Nobody could call my name like she could, I promise you. And I heard her voice calling my name. And I looked at my friend and said, okay, I hear her. I'm cool as long as I don't see her because I knew in this dream she was dead, right? I went to the bedroom. And I looked in, and she was sitting on the side of the bed. And I walked over, and I said, Mama, what are you doing here? And she looked at me, and she was like, what do you mean, what am I doing here? I just came from dialysis, you know, just, and I mean, like, like, like it was the day that she died, promise mm-hmm. you, because on that day she had had dialysis and whatever. And like, you know, I just got off the, the bus with Thelma, and I said, you know, and I said to her, I said, Mama, you died that night. And then I told her, I said, and Thelma that you were on the bus with died two months later, which was true. Oh, my. Really, it was profound because I looked at her, and she looked at me kind of like with this perplexed look like I died. And then all of a sudden, it was like her countenance changed. Now, she was sitting there in the chiffon dress that I buried her in. It was a beautiful lilac chiffon dress, hair all up, hair all done, makeup, all of that. And all of a sudden, she just began to talk to me. I don't fully remember the conversation, but I remember saying, Mama, I miss you so much. Mm. Now, that to me was a, a, a breaking point because... Mm-hmm. I didn't think I didn't think that I would miss her the way I would. You, you know what I'm saying? When she was alive, because of the, the things that we had gone through. But I said, "Mama, I miss you so much." And she looked at me in her inevitable fashion and said, "I told you you'd miss me when I was gone." And she had told me that. She really had told me that. This is true. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, you did." And then she just she rose up. Her feet never touched the ground. She just kind of mm. rose up, and this beautiful chiffon just, you know, just kind of flowed. And uh-huh. um, she said, I got to go now. And I was like, oh, Mama, please don't go. I, I mean, just mm-hmm. the tears, just screaming. Because there was so much all of a sudden that I wanted to talk to her about, that I wanted to say to her. And I didn't. Uh-huh. And, and she was like, baby girl, it's going to be all right. That's all she said, baby girl, it's going to be all right. You're going to be all right. And all I kept saying was, please don't go, and the tears were flowing. And she's like, I got to go. And she just literally just floated away, just floated away and disappeared. Now, the fact that God gave me that peace of seeing her in that light rather than what I experienced the day that she passed, you know what I'm saying? Like, so my mm-hmm. last memory of my mother is her telling me it's going to be okay, not her calling me every kind of name in the book because she's mad because I won't get her a drink. You see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I'm telling you, God it has a way of bringing closure, in, of bringing in closure of that we, we cannot even fathom. We cannot even times, fathom. I'm serious. A lot of times he'll... he'll talk to you in in your dreams because I had kind of like that same thing when my mom passed away um I I questioned God God how can you take my mama cuz I'm only 20 I'm only 21 years old my mama's only 44 and that's not fair how can you do that mm. so one night I was dreaming I was sleeping and 
uh, across the street from where my grandmother and my mom lived, there was a lady, and she had a porch, and her little daughter was in um, my mom's um, Head Start program. And um, so my mom was in a wheelchair on this porch, and she was covered up with a blanket, and she, I was talking to her because I was trying to tell her, read, um, the little girl's name was Ferrari, read Ferrari a book because my mom used to always love to read to her students. And she could not speak. Her mouth was twisted, which it was when she passed away because she died from a heart attack and a stroke. And her mouth was twisted mm. and she could not speak. And that gave me peace because I felt like that was God's way of telling me, well, your mother, if she would have lived, she would have been like this or worse. So it gave mm. me closure. And I was at peace at that, uh-huh. after that. I didn't question uh-huh. anymore. Uh-huh. I said, okay, God, I understand what you're trying to tell me, even though I miss my mama. I'm mourning for my mama because she brought me right. into this world. You gave, used her as a vessel to bring me into this world. I miss her. I love her. And I'm okay. And after that, I had no other mm. problems. No other, no other crying wow. out, God, why did you take my mama? It was just, it, and God comes to us in dreams. We just have to be open to what he's trying to tell us, what he's trying to show us. Yes. Yes. Y'all done went down a whole nother road for me. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about, and I'm just not, mm-mm. Okay, Lord. Wow. But let me tell you, even in that, I promise you, even in that, even in in the difficulties that you've had with your mom, okay, Mm. God still, I promise you, Paul, God still has the capacity, ability, and desire to grant you peace even in that. That's right. I promise you. (laughs) Okay, you you said said earlier... you said earlier I'm real transparent. God is gonna to have to help me with that one because, and and I'm just being transparent. And I might get messages on my Facebook. Go ahead and message me, Amen. Um, but I would not be who I was not. Um, it's not just you having feelings like that. There's other people out there. Yeah, and maybe somebody else is dealing with that. Um, my and and you've heard me say it, Colette. You you're my sister. We've talked about it. Mine is when she go, I'm going to have peace. I'm not going to have the arguments anymore. I'm not going to have the abuse anymore, the verbal abuse, the mental abuse. I'm going to have some peace. I'm not going to be stressed. And I've even said I'm not going to miss it. I'm just being real. And to hear you two talk about it and hear what you and and I learned something new today. I never knew you were um an addict and a drug uh never knew. So I learned something new mm-hmm. that we have something in common. Um Ain't but, that good? Um, you know, look like yeah. where you've been. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, but to hear your story about your mother, I've just been sitting here and you know, usually I have something to say. I was quietly listening saying, Okay, God, you, you really do have a sense of humor, don't you? They talking about their mamas and she talking about how she didn't get along with her mother in the in the last ten minutes or or the day that she passed, they had an argument and whatever. And I'm going, Okay, I can see that happening with me and my mother, just getting into a big argument and and then she just go and Lord help me, Jesus. <laughs> wow. But look at God. God. But look at God. Mm-hmm. That's what you know what, Paul, let me say this to you. I, and 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 as God is my witness, when your mother goes, you're not going to have the reaction you think you're going to have. Well, I think I'm learning that me. now because of I, I, the reactions I, I, that I'm going you. through now. Mm. Yeah, it's not going to be what you think it's going to be. Because, you know, mm-hmm. I had this all figured out in my mind. When mine went, you know, <laughs> it was going to be that, 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 that. It was mm-hmm. totally different. And the fact mm-hmm. of overwhelmingly feeling that sense of aloneness blew me away. It really did. Because in my mind, I'm there taking care of her. Let me tell you, that's how deep me and my mom was, okay? Like, she could not use... 
her limbs. But she got mad at me one day. I'm in there trying to get her dressed for dialysis. The, the um, EOB bus is coming to pick her up. Girlfriend picked that leg up off the bed, coming, I will kick your teeth down your throat. You? Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I love that I was. Okay. Mm. <laughs> and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, that works? <laughs> like, <laughs> girl, she took that leg up off that bed. Do you hear me? I will kick your teeth down your throat. That's how tough we were. <laughs> okay? I'm serious. My mother choked me one day until I would say that, you know, it was our house because I'm like, no, it's your house. You have over here who you want to have. I can't have who I want in this house. It's your house. That girlfriend choked me into like all oh, oh, wow. like noises <laughs> coming out. So let me tell you, mm. my mother and I had some deep things. You, you, you trust me, Paul. I know you and your mom go through, but let me tell you, <laughs> okay? Mm. I promise you, what you think you're going to feel is not what you're going to feel. It's mm. not. And it will be the hand of God that will step in. Now let me let me ask you a question, Colette, because and and, and this okay. may be deviating a little. You know how women and and I'm not being um, uh, sexist, but do you you know how women go through different emotions than than men? That's what I said. Are, are, you, are you are you saying that maybe because you're a, a woman? And maybe because I'm a man, I'll go through. I'll, I may go through something, but my emotion may be different. Because now, your as you know, I can be hard mirror too. Mine. I, I'm not saying your emotion is going to mirror mine because you have your own personal relationship and testimony with your mom. Okay. What I'm saying you is what you feel different. What you think yeah. you're going to feel is not what you're going to feel. That's mm. what I'm saying. No, me, I'll probably feel exactly. anger that I couldn't get the last word in. You're not going to feel that one either. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, seriously, we we mm. think because of the, the trauma, and that's what the show is about, because the turbulent traumas that we go through with our loved ones, we, we, we we're not going to feel we're gonna anything. Feel one way or we're going to, yeah, or mm. we're not going to feel at all or what have you. And I, it, it's so, when it happens, it's like you're never prepared the way you think you're prepared. And it does not equate to what you thought it would equate to. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Keisha and I were talking about at the end of the day, blood is blood and loss is loss. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's still family. There's still that blood connection. There's still that blood bound. Even even in your circumstances, even though you might have been adopted, that's the woman that raised you. You, you know what I'm saying? Right. So there's still right. there's still that connection at the end of the day. Not from her belly, but from mm-hmm. her heart. You know. So you mm-hmm. you you're right. You're gonna feel something. You just don't know what you're going to feel. You know, right, um, right. but at the end of the day, be it whatever, you, you're going to go through something. You're going to have some kind of mm-hmm. grieving, you know, mm-hmm. be it anger, you be will. it sadness, be it happiness. You, you're going to, I mean, like with, with my dad, when my dad passed away, um, I, I never thought that I would feel anything because I didn't know. And I had a sense of sadness. I had a sense of, because we had actually started working on a relationship and now you know god has healed me to the point a lot of time when i think about him i think about when i first moved away from home to virginia and i had called him <laughs> and it was oh november december it real cold it was christmas, christmas. it was real cold and, and my wife was around when this happened it was real cold in boston and it was like 90 something in 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 virginia the sun was shining people were walking around in shorts and I called him. I'm like, how you doing, Dad? He said, how are you? And, you know, he had talked to Keisha a couple of times. And this was shortly before he passed. And um, he said, so how's the weather there? I said, oh, 90 degrees. He hung up on me. <laughs> and I called him back and I said, I said, why are you hanging up on me? And I can't say what he said, but <laughs> and I have that 
that memory, I mean, that's one of the things that are forefront in my mind that when I think about him, I've got to laugh because, I mean, he he wasn't being mean or anything. He just he got mad because mm-hmm. he was in the freezing cold. I'm in 19 degree right. weather. You know, so mm-hmm. I thank God for that, that he's left me with some, and and, 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 and I realized who my father was. And, and I have to thank mm-hmm. God for that, that he was, he he wasn't a huggy, cuddly man, you know. Um, but, he did what he, yeah. but he did what he had to do as a man to provide for his family, and and that's the one mm-hmm. thing that I can walk away with knowing. It might have not all been right, but he did what he had to do. He was a responsible black man, uh, if I may mm-hmm. say. Um, and and to me, that set an example. For for generations, that when people look, they can say, well, you know, he might have had seven children here and then had this other one, but he provided for every one of his children the best that he could. He was not one that sat on his behind. He worked. You know, he might have made a lot of mistakes with his kids or whatever, but he provided. And there were times that he had my back when he knew that I wanted to further my education, that it was important to me. And and he supported me in that, even though my mother didn't, you know, she forbid me Mm -hmm. to go to my father to, to, you know, and when she found out, she ripped up the check. I, I don't know if it was jealousy or what, I have no idea, but you know, um, I, I can look at these things, you know. Um, right. There were things that he supported me that my mother did not, you know. So I got to know him, I wouldn't say as a dad, but as a provider, as a man that um, didn't, wasn't a deadbeat, didn't didn't slouch on his responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't say I could call him a dad, but I could call him a father. Hmm? Mm-hmm. God is good to give us snapshots, even yeah. even when when we've lost a person. He gives us snapshots that we can look back on. You know, um, when when my brother passed away a couple of years ago, um, as I shared with you earlier, I, I was blown away at the emotions that I had. You know, mm. um, because I was. 50, what, I'm getting ready to turn 60, so I was 58 years old, you know, and had never had a close relationship with him. Um, Right. Sometimes, you know, um, parents can tell you a little too much. (laughs) You know, I think Mm -hmm. the fact that my mother shared with me that he never wanted them to adopt me, you know, put a little something in me to begin with. And and the way he never was abusive to me, he never mistreated me, but he was never like that big brother, you know. Uh-huh. Um, mm. I have a cousin that I'm very close to who was more like my big brother. You know, he's 10 years older than me. My brother was 28 years older than me. But, you know, when he passed, I, I promise you, the day I, I, this is weird, I went on Facebook because I hadn't talked to my niece and nephew in many, many years. In fact, I hadn't seen them since my mother's funeral, and that had been 30-some years prior. Um, and I reached out to my nephew on Facebook, um, like, a year and a half prior to my brother passing, and, and he never, you know, never responded. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever, you know. And like I said, I would talk to my brother at least once or twice a year. Um, I would make it a point to give him a call. He would never call me. I would make it a point to give him a call mm. and just, you know, hey, it's your little sis. What's going on with you? You know what I'm saying? Um and we would chat for maybe five minutes and end of conversation. But it was like, okay, well, I did my part, Mom. I told you I would do it. I did it, you know, and and push on. So um, I went on Facebook this particular morning, and there was an inbox from my nephew saying, Colette, please call me. And when I saw that, I instantly said my brother died because I mm. knew. It was just like, why is my why is my nephew reaching out for nephew me? reaching out mm-hmm. and you know I, exactly you know and and the funny part was he responded to the inbox that I had sent him a year and a half prior to. <laughs> okay. Oh well, mm-hmm. that was what mm-hmm. he responded to to say, "Claire, please call me." I got up. 
I, I read it. I said, my brother died. I got up. I went in the bathroom. I washed my face. I brushed my teeth. I'm like, well, let me get prepared. You know what I'm saying? And that was mm-hmm. my initial feeling. Reaction. And then I came back and sat down and called him. And this was on a Wednesday. Apparently, my brother had passed that Sunday on Father's Day, and and Haywood Jr. had found him. He, um, my brother lived in Dallas, and and his son lived in in Houston. And he had come down and was going to surprise his dad on Father's Day, and uh, went to his house and he found him. And uh, so it's Wednesday. I'm just finding out the wake is Thursday, and the funeral's Friday. And I'm like. Okay. And he was like, I didn't know how to reach you. I knew I had to find you, but I didn't know how to reach you. And something said Facebook. So I was like, okay, cool. I said, give me all the the particulars, you know. And I was on a plane that Thursday morning on my way to Dallas. Uh Uh It was like I had to do it. You you, you know, I I, I just Uh had this overwhelming sense of I got to go. I have to be there. This is my brother. Even though we never had a brother-sister relationship per se, to me, this is my only brother, and I got to go. And I went, and I went to the wake, you know, and and meeting cousins and all of these people that, you know, I really didn't know, but, but knew me because I am the baby of my generation and my family, okay, all of my my first cousins, the ones that are still alive, are in their late 80s, almost 90s. Okay, because my parents adopted me later in life. They were already in their 40s when they adopted me. So I'm the baby of my generation. So, you know, I don't I, – I, to run with your cousins and all of that and know all you people, I don't. <laughs> okay. But – the the wake was cool, I promise you. You know, it was like, hey, you know, meeting people, I was cool, steady as a rock, no issues. That Friday morning, I woke up, and it was like it hit me like a ton of bricks, and I was a basket case. I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't get myself together. I called my boss. I'm like, you know, and he already knew. He knew I was in Dallas. He knew why I was there. I'm like, I was trying to get things set up for you for the day. I can't do it. I'm like, I'm in really bad shape right now. You're going to have to deal with this, and I'll talk to you later. That was like the conversation. And I called my daughter, and that's when she said, Mom, I'm really surprised that you're taking this so hard. And my response to her was, so am I. I couldn't explain <laughs> it. I couldn't. I'm like, so am I. But I was a basket cat. I, it, it just hit me. And it took me an hour or two to get myself together. So I'm, that's why I'm saying, you know, we never know, you know, what God is doing within us, you know. And by the time I got to the piano, I was cool. But I had to, there, there was like that place that God had to allow me to ascend to, to release. There was still grief there, and I had to get to that place of release to let it go so that there could be healing, healing from the knowledge of not being wanted, healing from the knowledge of there was no closeness. This was the man that told Mm -hmm. me one day, well, when you die, I will at least bury you. It won't be like, you know, we put mother away, but I will bury you. You know what, really? Oh, wow. You know, I'm serious. I'm like, these are the kind of things, you know, but there had to be a healing. So that's what I'm saying. God will step in and he will heal of all that past hurt, the pain, the rejection, and all that you have encountered. And I'm saying this not just to you, Paul, but to our listeners that are under the sound of our voice. We share this hour with you being transparent to help you in your healing process. Mm-hmm. You've got to go through it. Don't try to hold it in. Release it so that God mm-hmm. can heal and do it. Only he can can do, do it. We are mm-hmm. at and, the and end of the show. This has been blessed. <clears throat> Go ahead, share really quick. Twenty seconds. And 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 <laughs> don't be surprised that if you try to quench it, if you try not to feel those feelings, that God will make it happen because mm-hmm. that's what happened to me yeah. today. I have been trying to yeah. avoid the emotions, trying to avoid the feelings, and 
God just knew what he was going to do today with this show. And, and those of you that have been listening know immediately at the beginning of the call a flow of emotions. And, and I just begin to well up, you know, uh, but going through the call, I, I feel okay, you know. Um, so, But there had to be that place that you tapped into so that there could be a release. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, now that's not going to be the only time you're going to feel the emotions, but you got to let them out. Don't try to quench mm-hmm. them, release them. Because right. in releasing right. them, that's the, where the healing can come in. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you all. This has been awesome. Thank you so much, Paul and Keisha, for Amen. joining in and, and sharing on this morning. This was just God. This was strictly God. Well, God Amen. bless you all, and we will tune in again next week. Amen. God bless you all. God bless. Let's keep it real.